I definitely need to get something off my chest. And this is probably going to be the only hip hop thing we're going to talk about throughout the episode. So BT Hip Hop Awards put out a Lyricist of the Year nominees. And I need to take a good two minutes on this because it's something you've probably seen me that I've posted about this and I've been just all over it. So before I start this, the BT Hip Hop Awards is the only hip hop awards show that exists. The, they put out the list and the list contains, it's consisted of, and this again is a lyricist of the year award. I've never seen this list before at the BET Hip Hop Awards, or maybe I have and I really haven't paid attention to it as much as this year. Uh, and this is probably one of my favorite genres of uh, in hip hop, right? Is lyricist. I, I'm very into lyricist and stuff like that, right? You, we, we've talked about it uh, numerous times on these episodes. So the, the list was had six artists on it, okay? So I'm going to give you this, the first six artists. So Benny the Butcher, which I couldn't agree more. He's He should be on this list every year. But he only has one EP with Harry Fraud. So I don't really know where they based putting Benny the Butcher on. Maybe his featurings. It might be uh, it, uh, it, it might be because of the year, like from one BT. Like I know, like the Grammys goes from um, November to November. Yes. So if you put yes. out something late last year, maybe it it compensates into it's not this year specifically, but okay, go. So Benny the Butcher, okay. Uh, so when I saw this list, I was beyond beyond baffled beyond flabbergasted words i never use in my dictionary um so number two is drake okay drake who let's be honest with each other we've said on the episode drake who's probably had one of the weakest non-lyrical album he's put in his career out if you want to add to that go ahead but yeah, i think we're on the really, same he didn't put up any out he didn't put out anything impressive last year either yeah, exactly. Uh, then we have J. Cole. Bah, you kind of need to put him there with the album he put out this year. You know, like I'm, yeah, cool. I'm uh, it's it's a fair, it's a fair one. Now we have Little Baby, okay? And this is the one that really got my grinds like in gear. You he know what I mean? Your gears. He grinded my gear. So how the fuck can you call it a lyricist of the year award and dare to put this person's name in this category he is probably the furthest from a lyricist Th this guy cannot cannot even pronunciate words properly and you call him a, ly a lyricist of the year maybe rapper maybe maybe rapper of the year or featured artist of the year i wouldn't even be mad about it i i would understand it more but you can't put this guy in a lyricist of the year award it makes absolutely no sense He's never been a lyricist of the year. He's he's never been in a category where people look at him for being a lyricist. They look at him for uh, uh, featureings and whatever the hell else people like about him. It, it, it makes no sense. Um, then we have Megan the Stallion, whatever her name is, who yeah. I've never even heard of. Have you ever heard of her? Yeah, she could. I, yeah, I would give it to her. Really? I don't know the who way won, to be honest. So if you're going to tell me she won, yeah, I could see. I, the, the way I see this, BET had no choice to put a female on this, if I'm being oh, honest no, with you. Spit. She could spit. Okay, because I'm, I'm, I was thinking to myself, like, I've listened to maybe a couple of featurings of her and maybe one or two songs, but I, 
I thought they put her on here just not to be sexist or look misogynistic. Because I, I, I listen to female rappers uh, and I could tell you actual female rappers that should be on this list and she's far from it. Okay. And then, and then Nas, oh, who wow. of course, no matter what he puts out, he's oh, yeah. the, you know what I mean? So to me, it's like, there's artists and and I listen to a lot of a lot of hip hop. So there's artists such as Ransom and I've 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 talked about Rancid? him where Ran, <laughs> Ransom who is probably the exact definition of a lyricist and who could rhyme actual words for words and has probably one of the best hip hop albums this year. Then you have you don't put Conway on here. You put Benny, but you don't put Conway on here who has two albums and is probably one of the most lyrical inclined rappers out there right now. Okay. There's Conway put out two albums and half of these people on this list didn't put out an album. They're just featured artists. Okay. Where does that where does that make sense? And we we're here and we forget to actually mention actual lyricists. You're calling yourself the BT Hip Hop Awards, okay? And you don't go above and beyond to look for actual lyricist rappers that you just go with popularity. It makes no sense. You're supposed to be well-known you have a for god's sakes you have a fucking television channel yeah but are people going to watch your channel because conway's lyricist of the year because ransom's lyricist of the year you get what i'm saying it's, yeah, a, it's for, like bet before anything else is a brand i get it but but you you don't want to have credibility in, in in the genre of music for what you're supposed to be at some point i see you what you're saying but your, yeah. your your list is not credible your yeah, list is not right, credible too. and you have people that are not lyricists. Honestly, it, to me, it just makes no sense. And as a hip hop fan and somebody who cares about the genre, why the fuck are you really going to give me a, such a list that makes no sense? Ask the people who should be on the list. And who won? Nobody won yet. I'm excited to see who wins this. Oh, this hasn't happened yet. No, it hasn't happened yet. It's just a nominee list. You know, when the Grammys put out, everybody talks, blah, 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 blah. So to me, it's like you call yourselves the BET Hip Hop Awards. Really? Are you really going to do that? Let's uh, talk about the Met Gala. Big loss for, uh, I mean, we, we're located in Quebec. Big loss here in Quebec. Big loss in the comedy world that we feel shout like, I feel like shouting out because I love this person. Rest in peace, Norm MacDonald. Yeah, rest in peace, Norm MacDonald. He was fucking funny. Holy <laughs> shit. The shit he did with Saturday Night Live and just the shit he did with Adam Sandler, like those fucking Billy Madison days, like, Man, dirty work, like those are <laughs> fucking amazing. Like that shit, he's could be in the top five definitions of funny, top along three. with Chris Farley. Nah, uh, he's in another level, man. He was <laughs> his Letterman interviews were always the best for me, but his most recently his his podcast, his web show, whatever it was, was unfiltered. Nine years. 
greatness. Nine years fighting leukemia. Huh? That's a that's a winner. Yeah. I didn't that's even know there was no sign of him being ill or whatever. He really kept it. Uh, he just kept being funny and being Norm Macdonald. Fuck. Yeah. It's great. So though, what, what his publicist said about him not wanting people to know because that changes the way you'll interpret his humor. Yeah. On certain things. He wanted you to continue to question his way of his edginess or whatever. I think it's fucking great. How funny though. How funny was he? He was fucking funny. When we, uh, when we went on break, we had discussed coming back and doing certain episodes for certain anniversaries um, and nothing really worked out things that we wanted to do. I mean, 2001 was a big year for music. A lot of albums turned 20 that year. Uh, Band Spoon had one of their breakout albums, Girls Can Tell, come out in uh, 2001. Daft Punk's Discovery, the second LP, came out in 2001. Gorillaz, self-titled. I mean, the, 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 the concept of Gorillaz turned 20 in, in uh, this year, 2021. Uh, we thought of doing an episode for that. It didn't really work out. Radiohead's Amnesiac the companion album to um, Kid A. Uh, a couple of indie albums, The Shinzo, Inverted World, Sparkle Horse, It's a Wonderful Life, White Stripes, White Blood Cells, huge, huge album that we missed in July uh, for the 20th, 20th anniversary of that. Um, September 11th, another another indie album that uh, goes under the radar, The Microphones, The Glow Part 2, turns 20 as well, turned 20 as well. But there's one album in all of that that uh, we said we would make an episode on, and it didn't work out. And luckily, there's a catch to this record. You surprised me. You really surprised me this week. Originally put out in July of 2001 in Australia. July 30th of 2001 in Australia. August 22nd, 2001 in Japan, August 27th, 2001 in the UK. That's often considered its, its, its uh, release date because of what this album did in the UK as well. And only on September 11th on vinyl was it released in the US and October 9th on CD in the US. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So All this, of this is different. Yeah, this album was released. Or you got you got to remember at this point this this wasn't an anticipated or maybe it wasn't as anticipated as their later work was uh, because it was a debut album. You didn't have to release it in one shot everywhere, right? You could kind of spread out the releases. Somebody um, reminded me of this just to cut you off real quick. Lady Gaga, same thing as Lady Gaga when she put out uh, Fame. Right. Yeah. We're talking about Is This It by The Strokes. Um, probably the most important rock album of the 2000s. It's sent, uh, I mean, there's this famous saying that The Velvet Underground uh, didn't sell many records, but everyone who bought a record started a band. This is the equivalent to me of my era. Um, wow. It was originally released. It got, it got pretty big distribution too, like right off the top through RCA. 
uh, and rough trade in the UK. So an Indian in the, in the UK, but uh, uh, RCA belongs to Sony, right over here. Yeah. It was met with um, wild reviews, and it pretty much inspired over in the UK the whole movement with the Libertines, uh, Arctic Monkeys. Uh, and in the U.S., it, it just kind of that whole New York scene that followed from the AAS to uh, TV on the radio, uh, the Walkmen that were f- that stemmed from another band pre uh, the Strokes, but just the whole that whole New York indie wave of uh, artists that you could read about in in the book uh, Meet Me in the Bathroom. This album was massive, and really revived rock music it's probably responsible for that whole quote unquote indie um, type of music that we've gone to that, that kind of died out, I would say in the 2010s, but like it this, it had its peak and then everything started to sound exactly the same. You know, there was, there were those True. main contributors in the two thousands, like other than the strokes, there were people here and there that had their moment, you know, modest mouse had their moment with float on other bands had their, their five minutes. But this is like a super important anniversary to look back at. Only 20 years old. And like so much of this phase of music is already gone. It, it made me think when we did the, the Blueprint episode of like, people still talk about the Blueprint, still, people still want to mention how much it's a classic. But the strokes is this it on the rock end of things, it's just not as present as it should be for what it did to music. I don't see people talking about this. I see them talking about their second album a lot more, no. but never. Oh yeah. The, is, what's the one with the fire in the name? Room on fire. I, I, I haven't they re-released that on vinyl, colored vinyl and all that shit for, for that album. They've all been re-released uh, for whatever reasons, but I wouldn't say that Room on Fire is. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a really good. It's a really good record. It's is it as good as? Uh, is this it? No, I think this this it was unfortunately the Strokes' peak. They came back around uh, last year with a really good record, probably their third best record, the New Abnormal. I love that album. Oh, but yeah, continue. It was fantastic. But um, no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, People talk more about Room on Fire than they do about Is This It. They had oh, they had a bigger hit off it. They had a couple of bigger hits. Yes, off. yeah, and I think Vinyl Me Please re-released it uh, like a special edition colored yeah, not vinyl. Long ago, yeah, yeah, but yeah, Reptilia was their biggest hit. That's for sure off uh, off Room on Fire. But I mean, Is This It had you know Last Night was the first song that 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 kind of took off for them. Someday was the other one. Oh, those are huge. Yeah, huge yeah, yeah, yeah. Hits. those are great, uh, great singles. I, I have a question for you. Yeah. The, the Strokes fan, what was he listening to at that time? Because when I listen to This Is It, I don't see any similarities in, a, in, in bands from the 2000s or the 2001s. So it's great that you say that because there's something we're going to talk about later in the episode about where rock music was at this point in time. Oh, absolutely. I think what was great about the whole Strokes thing was that it kind of revived 
British sounding music from the seventies, from the sixties, it became cool to like the Beatles again. It became cool to like the stones again. It became cool to, it became cool to like seventies, New York punk again, the Ramones. It's like, I say velvet underground people who are listening to velvet underground, listen to this. It's right in that alley. If you think of it, it's, it's, it's like not well-produced. It's very minimalist. It's that type of thing. Before this in the nineties, what were people listening to? In terms of rock, the good music was all in Britain. Pretty Radiohead, the Britpop, the Britpop, yeah, that's it. Blur, whatever was left of the Britpop, pulp, you know, even Oasis to some extent. I almost want to say that's what people, that's what the Strokes fans were listening to when they got into the Strokes. It falls under that category, if you ask me. For me, my exposure to the Strokes and to this wave of music was. Uh, my sister having this record, I didn't care for it. I wasn't I wasn't there musically at this time. But uh, and I'll actually say more about that later. But I remember it being spoofed a lot. All the bands that start with "duh" are coming back. Like you said, there was the Sum Forty One video with Will Sasso in it, making telling them to change their name to the Sums. Right? right, it was amazing, amazing. So those are things that kind of made me want to see like okay if this is making so much noise and i saw a band like some 41 who i was interested in i wasn't a big some 41 fan but i found them all right i was curious to see why they felt the need to spoof on the on on bands that are all coming around with the at the beginning of their names when they were part of a phase of bands that had numbers at the end <laughs> of their names it was just so and from there i kind of i heard a bit of the strokes if you want to know the honest truth like I'm doing this as a tribute to music, but this is an album that I, I didn't really think and still don't think is as good as people say it is. I'm paying homage to all the music it influenced that I did love afterwards. Is it your favorite Strokes album? There are three great Strokes albums. I think there's this, there's Room on Fire, there's The New Abnormal. If you want to know the truth, I almost, I mean, this is, yeah, I guess it's my favorite one. But the new abnormal is particularly good, I find, in a different way. It's it's they've always tried to reinvent themselves, but everybody always wanted this album again. They were fucked for for having put this album out. Well, look at you, you, we, we're talking about it like it's like it's it's a phenomenon. But look at the music video as well. Just them being in that room. It was yeah. It was like down. It was boiled down to the simplest point possible. And that's what I find the new abnormal did so well and why I liked it so much was because it's the first time that they went away from being if we if we go through their catalog really quick, Room on Fire, they tried to evolve a bit and people liked it, but it didn't do too too well. Too, it, did, it didn't do as well. They had their biggest hit, like we said, but it did do as well. First impressions of Earth is a terrible album. They have good hits on it, but it's overproduced. Uh, angles when they came back in 2011 was fucking garbage. The Come Down Machine, they tried again to go back to their first album and try to reproduce that sound again. There was a good song here and there. But when they finally did the new abnormal and changed their sound and succeeded in doing it, it's about fucking Look, time. But there was good production on that too. Huh? Somebody stepped into that. Oh, yeah, Rick Rubin produced for them. But the, the whole point I'm trying to get to here is 
since their second album, we're holding on to this legacy. We talk about legacy with a lot of artists. We're holding on to, is this it? Every time the Strokes put out an album, we're still drawn back to that first album and saying like, they might be able to put out a good record. And then it sucks. And we're like, okay, let's wait another six years. Uh, I remember them on Saturday Night Live. It was, I don't know if it was Saturday Night Live or it was another huge music thing where, it, or maybe it was a talk show, but that it was so, there was something about it that stood out and it must have been just them just being there, not moving. And it just being so like, we're in 2001, there's so much more anger music out there, so much yeah. more noise music out there. That there, there's even the Interpol that this could that this sounds a lot like that you're talking well, about. Well, yeah, it's 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 all these bands kind of fed off of what they were doing, and that's why, uh, yeah, and that's sure, why yeah. probably some 41 really pointed the finger to it because look at the music that some 41 was making and all that those bands, and then you you get the Strokes, and it doesn't. It's yeah, it's not like there's the Britpop. There's all those bands from uh, from Brit and and like like we're talking about radio and stuff like that, but it doesn't sound like that. No, it was almost you were cool if you were listening to The Strokes. Like you had a certain uh, style listening to The Strokes. You you know like like that long hair or that like short sort of like Beatles type style hair and when you look at it you look at the strokes and you look at the way they were playing and the way they were holding their instruments and the way they were in a room and they were weren't moving it kind of looks like what the Beatles were doing that that image of them do you get what I'm trying to say I'm I, look I'm not a huge Beatles fan and I'm not big on the Beatles but it kind of no no it, I do I do I do get what you're saying but if you would look at if you would if you would look at what the Velvet Underground looked like on stage You'd say, yeah, okay, no, that's what that is. I'm gonna go do a bit more research on the Velvet Underground. I've listened to that album, and I well, there's an there's an Apple uh, documentary coming out about them that looks fucking great. Only on Apple TV, no. I guess. Uh, nah, so you have an Apple TV because I'm not gonna go buy one for just for that documentary. I'm, I'm taking care of. Um, but, the, but just look at like the bands that like I like. You talk about this one album and. What was the best Strokes album? Okay, it was this one or the second one or the latest one. But like, if you just look directly at the albums that this, the bands that this album allowed to exist, Interpol, Arcade Fire came shortly after, Franz Ferdinand, Arctic Monkeys. These were all bands that came up in like this period of time that exploded because of this album existing. National? Well, that's the other thing. Then there's bands that existed before this. Wilco, The National, uh, Death Cab. Again, because of this album, Modest Mouse. Modest Mouse existed way, way before, before this. Way before, yes, that I know for sure. This album really allowed for like a great movement of, well, I just said Spoon put out the third or fourth album in 2001. If Is This It didn't pierce and didn't make people turn this direction and say, what else is there like this? It's it it's White Stripes. White Stripes were on third album by then, by now. 
was were they as noticeable? No, but because this came out, people also picked up on white blood cells that came out a few months before. So you see, like, it, it's it's crazy. Like, if you just look at the albums that came out, like we said in in two thousand and one, like, or even shortly after, if you want to take the year after that followed, bands like Sonic Youth had a revival in their catalog too. Like, they were they started to put out some of their best music again for the two thousands. I still don't find they get the respect that they deserve. I, I find them they're still overpassed by certain bands because of what they brought to uh, the scene. So many bands did it and got more coverage. People were paying attention more to them, like bands like Arctic Monkeys, uh, like bands like Arcade Fire, all these bands. Like The problem is that those bands put out more good records. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where I think the strokes don't get the credit that they deserve because it's like, okay, great. You launched the whole thing. But like, if you look at the bands of the 2000s, like do any of them really get the credit they deserve? Some of them. Yes. Like a lot of them still like the killers still live off that first album. Yeah, but they've put out okay music afterwards. They don't get much love for it. Like modest mouse are back to being their, you know, low key selves. TV on the radio are off the map, which if you want to talk about one band that doesn't get enough fucking credit, like these guys are writing on the fucking Beyonce album. Yeah, but they don't. Nobody knows who TV on the radio is. No, but they don't put out enough, a lot of music. When was the last time they put out an album? Now it's a good little while, at least uh, 2014, 2015, but I'm saying that. But remember when Dear Science came out? I know, but nothing held up after that. They weren't bad albums either. They weren't Dear Science or Return to Cookie Mountain, but they weren't albums worth just completely skipping over. True. But the, but it's crazy because the, the sound of music kind of changed and people went in a different route, different direction. Like people that were listening to that now are probably experimenting with different other styles of music or different bands. I find there's like a miss... Like right now, if we talk about the year 2021, 20 years later or whatever, 10 years later, depending when these albums came out, there's like a, there's like a, there's missing something. There's like albums that are not coming out. Certain artists aren't putting out albums. I find this year, a lot of older bands like the Killers are putting out albums. Yeah. Not great albums regardless, but yeah, but I did say that I did. I did say that last episode that. You know, the Modest Mouse record was something I had on, on repeat because it was familiar. The Dinosaur Jr., which is pre all of this, something familiar. Yeah, because there's probably nothing coming out. Like, I don't see anything big coming out. I don't see... There's not. No there's one's not. pushing the envelope. Like, if I'm... I, I look at iTunes every now and then on what's coming out, whether what's big, what are people into, and I don't see anything that's... oh. Okay, here's another J Balvin album. Uh, here's the greatest hits from this album. Like, the Black Keys don't even make music anymore, do they? They did. They, they did a cover album this year, last year, but I mean, a cover album. See, you want you see you want to talk, and I'm sorry if this, like, I know people really like them, but if you want to talk to me, bands who get too much credit is the Black Keys. They're just a fucking blues band. You know what I'm saying? You're saying bands that like the Strokes didn't get enough credit for what they did. We're living off that first album all the time. Yeah. 
when the Black Keys get too much credit. Yeah, there's a because they just play the same fucking riffs. Yeah, a lot of people like like the first few Black. Key, I would say till about what's that album with the, the you, you read it the Brothers album was it Brothers Brothers yeah till then maybe El Camino. I don't even maybe El Camino's all right. El, yeah, El Camino's. What's fine. the one with their two faces? When you see them sideways, when you see them straight, it's white. Uh, atta- attack and release. That's the one with Danger Mouse. I like that one. I that was cool. I really enjoyed that one, but there's like nobody coming out with albums. Like I'm looking right now, and fucking Metallica put out a people playing their songs album. <laughs> yeah, it's it's but it's a big anniversary thing for the Black Album. Uh, like I don't see anything. The band Camino, uh, Imagine Dragons. Wow. There's up. There's no one. It's I think music is on a block. I'm excited for like a couple of releases. Like today, the, the the War on Drugs put out a new track. They put out the title track to their new album, "I Don't Live Here Anymore." That one comes out in uh, October on on October 29th. Okay. And Snail Mail, whose album, whose debut album, I really liked a lot, uh, called Lush in 2018, announced finally her follow up Valentine, uh, which is coming out on November 5th. I think I saw okay. that, and the song's fucking good. So I'm looking forward to that. I just hope. They hold up. A lot of a lot of artists I'm anticipating to hear new stuff from just don't hold up. I hope these could be two good records. Parky Courts have something coming out. Did you listen to the Casey Musgraves album? I did. And it opened up really well, and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a nice concept, nice concept record." And by the third or fourth track, I was like, "All right." Let's listen to the Rolling Stones. Yeah, well, you're in a phase right now of the Rolling Stones. I'm in a phase, but it shouldn't be too hard to get pulled away because of a great new release. Yeah, I've always kept up with stuff. I've always followed, and and lately I just find like everything is like, ah, no, not great. Let's go next. But uh, I did actually listen to uh, Olivia Rodrigo's album and Sour. It's good. It's a good pop album and it's rock influenced. So, you know, I've always advocated for pop music that promotes good rock, that promotes like playing an instrument and rock music. And it's good, man. It's a good pop album. Nice 35 minutes. I don't need to own it. I could just listen to it once in a while. And Well, you don't buy CDs anymore, so. That's not true. I ordered the, the Miss Elliott album that you still haven't listened to. <laughs> Sorry, I've been listening to Rancid. What do you want me to tell you? Yeah, I did actually listen to Rancid this week. All of them? No, actually, to be honest with you, I was able to do a 20-minute session of jumping around from song to song, and I was like, got my fix. You might not be listening to the right albums, but hey, it's okay. I... What, what, what the fuck does that mean? Well, you should li- What the fuck are you trying to You should to listen say? to Indestructible and, and Out Come the Wolves and then take it from there, because those are... The- Oh Two best albums to listen to. What's up? What were you? You're coming at you're coming at me. Number one, you're coming at me like I've never listened to Rancid before. Like I need a fucking lesson no, on how to do it. But I'm gonna tell you this much. It, I'm gonna tell you this much. The two albums you need by Rancid are Let's Go and an Outcome. No, an Indestructible. You're not gonna. I'm, I'm sorry. You're not gonna come on this and and say you don't need an Indestructible album. No, if you're gonna start giving me fucking lessons on on Rancid on an album that an album that I had. In my hands at fucking 10 years old. My sister owned that too. And out come the wolves? And out come the wolves. Indestructible is not a good album. 
it has a song here and there that's worth visiting, revisiting once in a while. It's not a good. You're serious. I really don't think that's. Can you re-listen to it and then we'll talk and have a better discussion? I just did the whole album. I just did. I was skimming through it and I was like, I can't get through this. I don't get it. The opening track is is incredible, and from there it kind of starts dropping. If you want, I'm being serious. Really, I don't think it's that good. And if you want to know my honest truth, I don't think "Let's Go" is that good any either anymore. So it probably didn't grow on you. It, it could be moods. It could be all that stuff. Or or it just didn't age. I mean, if you look at if you talk about the greatest punk albums of all time, people hardly mention. And out come the wolves, and that's their best album. Seriously, they really don't mention out come the wolves. It's part of like the whole rancid. It's more like that skate punk type of thing. It was more like of a, you know, a Green Day type of thing. I love that skate punk stuff. Like I was listening to Pennywise the other day. Uh, nah, that I can't get. Uh, I never. I listened it. to Anti Flag on Monday. Like I, I, I love that skate punk, that uh, under trois punk. Uh, that phase I really enjoyed that. That's music that I really like. Still sits with me when it comes on, or when I listen to it. It's fun. No, it's funny that you that 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 stuff uh, does well for you. I find it didn't age well. I find it very childish. Well, it depends what they're talking about and what the artist says. So, like I find no effects very, very childish and not fun. I would even say they're the least bad of all of them. But that it's crazy that you say that. It's really crazy that you say that because I find them very childish and very immature. That Pennywise stuff, man. Bad religion. I never said bad religion. Bad religion I was never a fan of. I never got into them. Uh, those songs here and there, but nothing too... It's not for me. No. Not even like... No, I can't get into it. There's certain bands that will always stand out to me and there's certain bands I'll never go back to and like casualties, like stuff like that is like, man. I like that fun. No, no, that's not I like that fun punk, like you know that sing along punk, not that serious. Mm. I want to break a bottle over your head type punk. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm more into like the heroin punk. <laughs> okay. If we're gonna do punk, let's do it right. Yeah. You asked me where music was, and we got off topic, which is great. I love off topic. When we don't have much planned, when we don't have much planned for these episodes, we have nice talks. Uh, you asked me what were people listening to when the Strokes came out. <laughs> and uh it took me it took me a minute to think about it and i'm like oh yeah probably the uk stuff like we said but american music in the tw- in the 2000s yeah those indie bands were starting up but it was really they were really not known and we watched a documentary of woodstock 99 on hbo max i that, that was the funnest i had in a long time thanks to you i'll give you i'll give you credit where credit is due i appreciate you for telling me to go watch that that's where rock music was <laughs> in 99. You got a festival that had Limp Biscuit, Rage Against the Machine, Kid Rock, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, DMX, Corn, Corn, uh, Mega Death, Corn, Mega Death closing the festival. Where Metallica there as Metallica well? Metallica was there, uh, Alanis Morissette. Uh, yeah, there was a couple jewel, yes. Um, Cheryl Crow, who all got booed off stage because it was a very uh, there's lots of testosterone in the air at that festival. <laughs> Dave Matthews Band, Dave Matthews Band, which okay, very weird. 
if you ask me. Very weird. Wyclef. Yeah. Wyclef Jean was there. It was just a clusterfuck of 90s artists. Some past their prime, some in their prime. Some you kind of it, don't. I don't know. It's very iffy putting them on a festival because you don't know what the type of right. the type of crowd you're gonna get to them. Well, listen to all the bands we just named. So give yourself <laughs> an idea. If, if uh, you saw the documentary, but people listening, give yourself an idea of what kind of crowd this generated. Uh, and basically, the documentary just shows how this festival ground got torn to shreds throughout a fucking weekend of music. There was they didn't have enough like food for people there. They didn't have it, it was basically the fire fest, but this one actually got caught on fire. People were setting shit ablaze. Well, Steve, you got a band. Look at the bands you're getting. Okay. That it was a new metal wave. I love I love where we're going because now we're gonna have a conversation about values after this. Go but ahead. look at the the okay look i'll be honest with you straight off the bat i liked corn i liked limbiscuit i liked rage against the machine you liked the chili peppers at that time what i liked rage you liked rage chili peppers which album was that can you tell me can you tell me can you tell california californication there was that that every that's what what people were into but it was like a shift in age that happened and everybody was like in either college or starting high school, like people like me and you. Wait, hold on. You're talking about us or you're talking about the people at this I'm festival? talking about who was listening to that music when. Yeah, it was us trying to be cool going into high school. Yes. And it was high school people who were fucking angry. And then look at the music videos from all of these artists. Maybe yeah, it's all death and break shit. Fuck your parents. Fuck your teachers. Uh, let's fuck you. Middle fingers in the air. Yankee hats backwards. Uh, wearing very big shoes. Fuck well, the government. Skate or die. There was all of this going on. So you're smoke weed. Uh, drink beer. Uh, do drugs. Not go shirtless everywhere. There was all this. It was a big fuck you attitude. Shave your head. There was all this shit going on. Uh, frat parties, all this shit. So it's like you shift the the, the age group, and you, it's like technically what's going on right now with a lot of genres of music. And I'll take rap for instance. Like there's a shift, and it goes with a shift of mentality, also, right? Yeah. It does, so yeah. so. The and the artists are basically, it's kind of like telling you be like this. Don't forget, at this point, Eminem was hot, right? Fuck you. Yep. Marlon Manson. Remember Marlon Manson at this time? Yeah. Like, there's, you are very heavily influenced by the music you are listening to. Era. So, it's. <sighs> It's interesting you would say that because that's pretty much how this documentary plays this out to mm-hmm. be. If you look at it, it kind of turns around and says like, well, this is what happens when you listen to Eminem. This is what happens when you listen to 
Marilyn Manson. Limbiscuit is on stage. Of course, they're going to destroy shit. People blame the music for what happened at the festival for people's behavior. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these artists, like when you saw uh, Jonathan Davis from Corn, was just kind of like, like I went out and I performed the fuck out of this show because I knew how important it was and the place was like, but like everybody was scared to be there. The artists that play this music were afraid to be there. Didn't realize how dangerous this but was. Steve, you're calling yourself Woodstock 99. Woodstock 94? And the years before that, yeah. it was all just people on shrooms or... Wrong. Dead wrong. What? That's what they want you to think it was. Woodstock 69 was disorganized and lacked... Uh, they didn't have the resources to hold the festival either. People tore down the gates and and people bought tickets, but people tore down the gates and went in anyway. They don't tell you that because it wasn't violent, but it was definitely not... There were no rules set up the way it should have been 94 was a mix of artists from 69 and current like artists. Pearl Jam and so it was a bit more civil but it still again lacked the resources to be successful well, what I read was mostly people on drugs they talk about that in the documentary yeah yeah all that happened for sure but there, there are Woodstock 69 documentaries that show like once the festival was taking place we realized like there's no place for people to sleep. People are breaking into the festival without paying. There's no way to separate, you know, who paid and who didn't. So people who paid are now getting like losing their spots or being pushed to the back for people who just showed up. And they had to kind of tell people like, hey, look, it's fine if you're broken and you came in for free. We're accepting it. We have no choice, but be civil. There are people here that paid for this type of thing. It was more peaceful. Well, compared to lighting shit on fire. Lots of things are more peaceful than this. But it wasn't as 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 peaceful as people said it was. You're, you, were, you were touching on blaming the artist? Yeah. Yeah, because I find like that was a big thing when we were going to high school, remember? Of course. All our teachers knew what the Marshall Mathers LP was and watch out if the kids are listening to that and all the kids like Blink-182 when they say dick and you know it's that's not good and you know the rap music has parental advisory you shouldn't be listening to that it was a there was a big focus more so like this doesn't exist anymore or maybe because I'm not a kid I don't see it but like no it doesn't exist music is at a place right now where it's so like onto the next onto the next onto the next that you never really have time to embrace an artist for their their what's great about them and how influential they could be in either a good or bad way right like marilyn manson like people would say shit like he fucking he had his ribs removed to blow himself and he fucked a pig the people who were saying <laughs> these things about him are completely wrong but there was some pretty bad stuff that he did that nobody else was talking about. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. The, there's the M&M side too. And look at like people like Fred Durst. They blame the whole festival going sideways on Fred Durst. Fred Durst. But he was provoking it too. Yeah. but He, he and, and, and that's, but that is a bit more questionable, but again, it comes to that time. It's like, well, would you hire a punk band to play at your wedding? No. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's also the point of like he was saying break shit, but it's the like 
I look at it as the name of the song, the teenage angst. I, I look at it all like that. Absolutely. Do you know? All of right? That. All of that, yes. Teenage angst. And uh, But a lot of these people that were there really, weren't really teenagers either. No, they were people like the age that we would go to festivals. Steve, would I've, this is the question of the year for you right now. Okay. In your 20s, 25 years old, whatever, would, would you yeah. roll around and shit? And jump and shit? No, no I wouldn't do and that. And throw shit at people? It's ridiculous, man. I think they thought it was mud, to be fair. But... You could, Steve, you could see the difference with the smell of shit and the smell of mud, <laughs> for Christ's sake. Uh, yeah, I, I and then yeah, sleeping in that over <laughs> for three days. It's really disgust. It's it's a fucking disgusting crowd, to be honest. And what's great is those bits of bits of the documentary where you see people who are disapproving of what's going on, of the behavior. But man, like ninety percent of people were going nuts. It was crazy. Look at what Moby did. Moby wanted to leave and actually left. Well, yeah, because you're fucking Moby. Yeah, that's true. He shouldn't have been there. And in all honesty, he shouldn't have probably. But been. he was part of the. Al- but he was hot at the time. He was hot. At what the was time. the album he put out at that time? The big one, right? Uh, yeah, play came out around then, but I don't think it was that year necessarily. Maybe it was. I'll find out. So there's so much going on, and you know what it's crazy because the friday didn't seem as chaotic play play was 99 play was 99. Um, the friday didn't seem as chaotic as the saturday sunday yeah it got disgusting as it progressed right yeah like all those like dmx played the friday it, the crowd seemed pretty you know it was still a bit civil yeah it was a bit you know like but then it's like Chili Peppers are playing and they played Fire as their encore. By Jimi Hendrix, Jimi yeah. Hendrix cover. It's it, it's on their Mother's Milk album, so it is part of their catalog. But it just looks even so fucking stupid on their part. They're not, I mean, I don't consider them saints by any means. Flea was playing naked, huh? Yeah. <laughs> we say the artists weren't provoking it somewhere. They blame, they, bl- they like to blame the music. Yeah, they like to blame of, of what you're listening to. I I don't think it has anything to do with that. You know, like, but the crowd though, that style of crowd that was there, like nobody went there. I don't think to watch just Al- Alanis Morissette. No, but that's what they were saying. Was the female artists were like, like booed off pretty much. Like people were. It was such a it was such a cockfest that, that people were like you don't boo Dave Matthews band off, but you boo Alanis Morissette off. I know. I know. Fucking Alanis Morissette versus Dave Matthews band. Jesus Christ, I'm booing Dave Matthews band right the fuck off. Uh would you have gone to that festival if you had the opportunity to? Ah, trick question, huh? Why is that a trick question? Because I don't see you answering it quick enough. Because listen to your question. Ask yourself that question again. And now try to now try to put me in that situation. I would have gone. You would have gone to that. Yeah. Yeah, you would have been part of the problem. How how dare you? I am very civil at concerts, and you know that by now. I am to despise concerts. 
Yeah, exactly. Would you have gone? I'm being serious. I'm being, it's a serious. Would I have gone? Yeah. Like you see the lineup. Hey, I'm I'm in my twenties. Here's the lineup. The tickets. You could go to the concert. The tickets are hundred bucks. Yes or if no? If I was into that, if I was into that music at that point in time, maybe. Knowing what I listened to in my twenties, I probably would. It's one. It's one stage, huh? Or was it two? Uh, I think it was two, and there was the electronic tent. Yeah. But the two stages were like very far. Oh, how horrendous at night! It still goes on to like three in the morning. Yeah, that's the thing. But but the, and and this was the whole thing when I was watching it was I realized like halfway through day uh, day one. I put myself in the position of being at the festival, and halfway through day one, I w- when the shit started flying. I I said, I said to my wife, I'm like, this is the point I would have left that. You would have, huh? Of course, of course. What's the what's the pleasure of? I don't see it. Such a cesspool of human beings, man. I would have left if I'm being super honest, which I would have left for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. you can't stay at that. You not in your twenties, not in your thirties. You shouldn't be staying at that, and you're younger than that either. It just no, you should. At least not the way we like to do things and see things. Now. How could you enjoy a concert smelling like shit? Nonetheless, good bands that were playing there, though. Who are your top five bands? I knew you day? were going to ask me, and I, if you weren't going to ask me, I was going to fucking tell you straight. Okay, look, I'm not going to put DMX because the only obvious answer for me is DMX, but top five? Why can't you put him? Okay, so I could put DMX? Because obviously yeah. you would be in there. Okay, top five bands I would go see, and we're allowed to pick the same bands. Um, I'm going. I'm going. Corn yeah. for sure. Is this an order? No, just uh, I'm just throwing them out there. Okay. Corn. Hundred ten percent. Yeah. I'm gonna go Limb Biscuit. Okay. Okay. Uh, we said DMX. I have two more. Fuck! Now I have a blank of who the fuck played. For Christ's sake. Uh, who else played that? Rage Against the Machine. And obviously, I would want to see... I would definitely want to see Chili Peppers. Because you know what? I'm not a huge... I don't like Megadeth, and I don't like Metallica. Because I'm... Can I be honest with you? I'm probably scared to be around those those human beings at a show like that around Megadeth and Metallica. There were other bands you could have named, though, on this that weren't in the documentary. Oh, Really? Yeah, Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters uh, were there. Ice Cube was there. Ice Cube was there, yeah. But why didn't they talk about big bands, like artists like that? Foo Fighters. Because they weren't, they weren't as big in 99. They weren't as, they weren't of the level that they are now. I, James Brown was there. Yeah, James Brown. Aerosmith was there. Aerosmith is on the bill. I'm checking out the bill now. Or is one of them like a, like did the, the lineup change? Maybe it changed. That's crazy. I didn't know Ice Cube was there. I'm being super honest. I'm looking at the list now. Like fucking Al Green was there. Elvis Costello. When did was they there. play at fucking one in the afternoon? James Brown opened the festival. That's amazing. I really hope you. So if I had to go my five, because yeah. I was, I wait for you to re-ask the question back and return. Stephen, what would what were the top five bands that you would you would go see? Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> no, in in all seriousness, if, if I had to choose a five. Chili Peppers, Rage, The Roots, uh, fuck, Costello, 
And I mean, fucking all green is all green, huh? Crazy how you pick all the good ones and I pick all the savage animal ones, right? No, no, yeah. You you went from a, a funnier approach. I was trying to see if there was actually a five bands that I would care to see. But funny approach? Who would I go see? Counting Crows, <laughs> Everlast, Insane Cloud Posse, Limp Bizkit, Corn. Uh, Come on, Corn. And maybe some Seven Dust. Holy shit. Willie Nelson was there. Yeah. Lit. Remember Lit Jamiroquai? Mm. Lit, uh, Lit should have made a comeback in the last couple I would, of years. Fatboy Slim. Oh, my God. Everclear. Everlast. God's Mac. Steve, I changed my whole lineup. You know who I would go see? Creed. Cool. Yeah, Creed. Bush. Buck Cherry. What a, okay, I get the festival now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. <laughs> See what I'm saying? It's a disaster. <laughs> it was done like, on purpose. <laughs> Creed. They were huge, huh? Oh, yeah. They had a good couple of albums. The one with the, the guy coming out of the water that he looks like the guy from Terminator. Good album. I think uh, I think we got a good episode with that. Yeah. Uh, let's just say that festivals are not like that anymore. They're not. But they also, they went down the and, drain. Yeah, but you do have a festival like uh, the one that we've always wanted to go to, that we've never gone to, the one Which in one? L.A. or California, sorry. Rolling Loud? What's the one that people, the biggest one? Not Oshiaga, the other one. Oh, you're being serious. Yeah, Coachella. Coachella. Lollapalooza is cool. Yeah, they're all too big now. Yeah. The, the bands aren't But it, it goes to show how that went to the like that went to shit and then you have how many years later that all these other ones were working coachella started in early 2000 yeah and it worked super well there was a fucking yeah. it was done super well people were sleeping yeah Lollapalooza came back a bit after too yeah check out the check out the woodstock 99 documentary if you guys are uh, interested in seeing chaos unfold in the form of uh, insanity and ugh, feces. <laughs> um, we're back next week with a. So the next week's episode is going to be called "The Biggest Day in Music." We're going to talk about three records primarily that came out on September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one. Three. Um. Three big ones. But I, I feel like we could talk about 91 in general. Yeah, it's a big year. A big lot of these albums turn 30. This year. We're talking about albums that turn 20. All these albums turn 30. Uh, Biggest day in music. This year. So we're going to talk about the albums of 91. Uh, let us know what your favorite album in 91 was. Yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to send that out. And we'll do something cute. Yeah. And uh, I think that's about it for me. Hey, thanks for no rap. I'm I'm actually happy that you were able to not talk about rap this episode, Steve. Thank you for that one. Yeah, but we spoke about. Uh, that's it. Everlast. <laughs> I hope everyone has a wonderful week. Weekend. And but you're gonna go into the week because our next episode is the Friday after, so they do have a full week. Right. I hope you had a wonderful week that just ended. Yeah, me too. How's your week going? Uh, If I'm being honest with you, on 10, I'd give it a solid 6. Really? You? I'd give my week... 
Seven? Not bad. That's not bad. Is it would you have gone in higher if you beat me in fantasy? I didn't even. I was actually not even bothered. It was a good. I held up to what uh, I had said. So just let me say, we're gonna end it off with this. I I won in both my fantasies, so that means I'm losing my season. I won in one. I lost in one. Hey, let's just. You win some, you lose (laughs) some. Thanks for joining. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks, guys. Ciao.